Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of the 360 brand. Before I introduce this week's episode, I would like to share two things I have coming up. On the 1st of May, it is my business's first anniversary, and I will be marking the occasion with a live podcast event at Bank and Bow in Aldgate. I will be doing a bit of a monologue, answering questions from former podcast guests who will be there on the evening, and then I will be delving into deep, soulful conversation with Jessica Huey. We are going to be talking about all things purpose and how purpose is allowing her life to unfold in ways she never thought were imaginable or probably never even thought of in the first place. Secondly, I'd like to tell you that my third Everyday Joy Day Retreat is taking place on the 8th of June, again at Benk and Bowen Allgate. We are going to be focusing on pleasure There will be beautiful workshops, including a workshop that is going to be facilitated by me, and uh, you're going to feel held, supported, and nourished. Those are words that come up time and time again from people that have attended my retreats. The last two sold out, and I'm expecting this one to sell out also. So if you would like to come, please tap the link in the show notes. There are payment plans. Well, there's one payment plan available, if that would be of use to you. Now, over to episode 26, where I am joined by Liz Stanford, who is the relatively new owner of the Calm Birth School. Oh, this was a really beautiful conversation. Liz and I discussed many things. We discussed birth experiences, including our own. We talked about what led Liz to engaging with the Calm Birth School in the first place and then taking it over from its original founder. Well, it's only got one founder, Susie Ashworth. And within that conversation, we talked about what it's like for her to take over an established business by somebody who has such a strong presence like Susie and make it her own. Uh, We talked about birth and how it's been really medicalised and how the Calm Birth School and services similar to it are really focused on bringing birth back to being about the mind-body connection. Uh, We also touched on postnatal depression. So if you're somebody that has experienced that, I just want you to know beforehand. Um, And we talked about forgiveness. Liz shared some information about her mindset work, including forgiveness. And that just spun into a really beautiful conversation about the importance of forgiveness work and how forgiveness allows you to continue and blossom rather than beat yourself up. Um, Yeah, it was a really, really nourishing conversation and I'm really pleased that I was able to share this time with Liz. Liz and I also got a bit excited because we're going to have more time together at the end of May as we're both attending Susie Ashworth's retreat in Barcelona, which I am really looking forward to. Anywho, over to this week's episode. Enjoy! Hello beautiful people, welcome back to 360 Conversations. I'm really pleased that you're joining me. Um, Today I am joined by the lovely Liz Stanford of the Calm Birth School Um, and Liz is a woman I haven't worked with her personally because the days of having calm births are over for me Um, but what I know of her and her ability with the Calm Birth School um, is via my friend Nicola Nicola Ray Wickham, aka A Life More Inspired, um, who is currently being supported by Liz and has talked about how helpful it is to have a mechanism to support you to not necessarily remain calm, but come back to calm so that you can be in control of your pregnancy. And um, Nicola was talking about how the messaging um, from the calm birth experience literally translates into other areas of life. Um, 
I met Liz actually via a challenge um, by Susie Ashworth, Susie Love, um, and uh, we were chatting away about different things um, and it was really nice to connect with Liz because unbeknown to me, she had been listening to this podcast. Um, so that, that was really nice. And she has just such a calm, ethereal vibe. I thought we could all do with some of that over the airwaves. So I am going to stop gushing. I probably say that every week, but I am so privileged that I get to speak to wonderful women practically every week and have beautiful conversations that kind of feel like coaching. Um, So yeah, I'm going to stop gushing about Liz and hand over to the lady herself. Hi Liz, welcome, welcome. Hello, thank you for such a lovely, lovely introduction. And of course, you mentioned our mutual friend, Nicola Away-Wickham, and that always puts a smile on my face because I love that lady. She is... um, She's absolutely fabulous. Yeah, so thank you indeed. for having me here. Thank I'm you excited for being to talk here. to you. So yeah. please, for the listeners that haven't had the opportunity to connect with you yet, please mm-hmm. could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, so my name is Liz and I'm the new owner of the Calm Birth School. Um, so the Calm Birth School was originally founded by um, the lovely Susie Ashworth, who I now sort of think of as my fairy godmother, if you like. <laughs> um, and so I'm I'm the new owner, and I'm very proud to proud to be. And what we essentially do is help women to have calm and positive birth experiences. So that's done via um, online program, an online hypnobirthing program. Um, I also have around about 50 instructors, some of those are in training at the moment, who are um, based across the UK who teach hypnobirthing the calm birth school way mm-hmm. face-to-face with, um, yeah, with, with pregnant women across the UK and an island, actually. Yeah. So you've got a calm birth school squad Oh, we've got a squad. Yeah, we totally, <laughs> we totally think of ourselves as it sounds a bit cheesy, but I love it. We yeah. think of ourselves as a bit of a family. You know, we like we've got a great community amongst the instructors, mm-hmm. um, so supportive of each other, such like minded, entrepreneurial, passionate, caring women that it's just a real privilege for me mm-hmm. to be able to to support them um, as they build their businesses um, and yeah, and just know that they're passing on all this love and positivity um, and on, from a practical sense, uh, skills, tools, mindset for, for women who, who need it in their pregnancy and when they go on to give birth and beyond Ooh. that as well. Yeah. Now, I don't think I necessarily would have been open to this when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, we weren't having the conversations we're having now then um, yeah. at all. Um, so when, where, if you don't mind me asking, when, when did you have your, I had is it my daughter. Got a daughter? Yeah. You? Yeah. I had her in 2007. I was pregnant 2006 into 2007 and um, it was my experience. Okay then. So I'm very fortunate, blessed that I have, really wonderful women around me. Um, my mom, absolutely excellent. And, um, at the time I was pregnant, my, um, grand aunt was alive and mm-hmm. uh, she was just one of the most formidable women ever. You know, when you see programs or you hear, when, when you hear about um, African communities and you hear about how um, how in Africa we live in small communities, that whole, it takes a village. Mm. My grand aunt would be like the community mother. Um, oh, she wow. was so earthly, so knowledgeable. Um, when she lived in Sierra Leone, she had a farm um she really knew about nature um and i don't know whether it's the combination of the farming the lifestyle the person she is and her experiences but she's she is just like a direct descendant of mother nature so, oh wow yeah no seriously so speaking to her throughout my pregnancy and her looking after me 
just with like nourishment, she would prepare the food I like to eat. Um, she would prepare it in a way that was healthier because I was pregnant. Um, she used to make the most wonderful pepper sauce so hot my nose would be streaming um but I craved it so much during pregnancy and she really didn't want to make it for me but she would make it for me because in Sierra Leone they say if you don't have the food you're craving your baby will have a mark it's a birthmark really but the, the belief is that it's because you denied yourself something that you were craving so she would make that but she would sit but she would um she would say, um, but Tamu, this pepper is so hot, the baby will be crying in your womb. Because oh, she was God. talking about yeah. how um, the food you eat flavours your amniotic fluid and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, she so, sounds fantastic. Oh my goodness, she what the earth was lucky to have her. She was mm. so um, wonderful. Auntie Doe, we still miss you. I know that you're around um she's such a formidable person sorry I'm going left a bit but did you um, feel that she was sort of instrumental in your kind of pregnancy and birth journey not just in my pregnancy and my birth journey when I had my um daughter um so I had it uh I ended up having an emergency cesarean um and my daughter was very small um, yeah. and I had to have her early because she was losing weight in my womb. And um, when I first told her that I was going to have to have her early, um, mm-hmm. she was saying that, um, she said, sometimes that's how it is, Tammy. Sometimes people's womb is small. She said, sometimes people's um, placenta is small and it um, affects the baby. And she was just like, you're lucky that you know, because something can be done about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turned out, my placenta was very small and my amniotic fluid was very low. Oh, um, right. Okay. It's not like it was leaking or anything. That's, that's yeah. just how it was. Um, but when um, I was adamant about breastfeeding and there were some people that were saying, oh, the baby's so small, you should feed her from a bottle because you know what she's getting. And I was like, no, <clears throat> I know that I can do this. And um, she was very supportive. She would make me drinks. She would make me particular foods that she would say, you know, the milk would be flowing, whether it was that or whether that's how I naturally was. I don't know. But I was like a cow. My only um, (laughs) regret now is that I wish I'd donated milk. I didn't realise how important that can be. But because I was so focused on my daughter, I was like, no, it's all got to be for her. Um, When Mm -hmm. my boobs are too full I'm going to express but no um she was very very instrumental and um in lots of West African countries you have a naming ceremony um for when you're naming your baby um Mm -hmm. within eight days of the baby being born um and part of that in Sierra Leone they call it pool nado which basically means take the baby outside so you have somebody that you want the child to be like that takes the baby out in the community so shows you the way to school depending on your what your religious beliefs are shows you the way to church or the mosque shows you the way to where you'll go and do shopping and this and that and um my grandan is the person that took my daughter out to show her the um community oh. and her very wise knowing caring very much rooted in justice justice and fairness my daughter is very much like that so i believe that there's a part of my grandan um with my daughter um yeah so that's an ode to my grandaunt <laughs> no that's so that's so lovely it really and nice. isn't, it, isn't it important to feel like that sort of loved and cocooned and yeah. supported when Literally. you when you're pregnant and yeah. when you've just had your baby yeah. as well and yeah. a lot of women a lot of women don't have that or maybe don't realize the importance of that or mm-hmm. that they deserve that mm-hmm. um so I, that's great to know that mm. you had that kind of love around you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's still around you absolutely yeah and I I love the sound of what you do with the calm birth school because it sound um pregnancy is so medicalized in western cultures and that can be quite scary um and that's why I was so blessed to be able to have somebody like that because the information I was getting from the um obstetrician you know they were telling me what was going on but it was so medical it Mm -hmm. was quite scary Mm -hmm. um 
So to be able to have a resource like the Calm Birth School, mm-hmm. I think would be really helpful. Yeah, so we are, we definitely consider ourselves to be for all types of births. I mean, there are, there are um, probably people who think that hypnobirthing is more geared towards the kind of perfect pain-free type of birth, which like I, I fully believe that those types of birth do exist. Um, but there are also lots of other ways to experience birth. And because uh, circumstances that women can find themselves in, like the circumstances you found yourself in with your daughter, that doesn't mean that that birth experience then has to um, you know, has to has to be a negative one. Mm-hmm. It can still be incredibly positive, and you can still apply all the tools and techniques and the mindset that you gain from doing a calm birth school hypnobirthing course. You can apply that mm-hmm. to generally whatever situation you find yourself in. Yeah. Um, in, in labor. And I do feel that I'm kind of testament to that because my birth experiences, I've had three um, children and my birth experiences weren't all, you know, they didn't all go to plan, let's just say. <laughs> so um, I certainly had to use hypnobirthing to to support me through them. And I look back at them and I'm just like, I'm amazed. Like I, I love thinking about my births. I'm, I'm amazed at at what my body's achieved mm. and that my mind has achieved and just amazed at the whole process really and I, and I really really feel so passionate about other women feeling good about their birth experiences because mm-hmm. that's, that's just a great way to start parenthood or, yeah. or to start parenting another child yeah. is to feel that you've had a great experience that you feel that you felt supported mm-hmm. and that you felt as in control as you could feel yeah yeah so tell us about taking on the first digital birthing school so I know from my engagement with um Susie that hers was the first digital um hypnobirthing school and it was very disruptive it it changed the hypnobirthing industry so I want to know how it feels for you to take on um an established business from an Mm -hmm. emotional standpoint because I know you know you have processes that you need to follow but emotionally what did what did that feel like um what does that feel like because I know it's a relatively new yeah yeah so it is relatively (laughs) new because officially it it I only really took over in October of last year so I'm kind of on what am I on my like fourth month or something so um, dating still yeah yeah definitely (laughs) um but it feels good it feels right it feels like this is um this is what I'm meant to be doing and I, I I mean of course there has been some um you know anxiety I guess around it where you you know you kind of think like oh like how is it going to go what's it going to feel like is it ever going to feel like mine but it feels 100% like mine and I think that's because I'm so um, I'm so aligned to what Susie originally created Mm -hmm. and that's what drew me to the calm birth school as a hypnobirthing instructor so so I, I remember it really wasn't that long after I had my third child and I remember just sort of I think I was probably breastfeeding and just sort of surfing the internet Mm -hmm. as you do and um, I came across the calm birth school and I was like what is this this is it totally blew my mind because up until that point you know hypnobirthing had been fairly um flowery I guess you know it hadn't been particularly um cool and um Susie kind of just made it relatable you know Mm -hmm. the way that she was talking about hypnobirthing and about birth was like everything that was in my head and it was the way that I was already talking about it to my clients because I already knew that the original method of hypnobirthing that I had trained in wasn't fully aligned to how I felt about birth or, or what I wanted to communicate to the, the women and the couples that I came into contact with. Mm-hmm. So literally finding the Calm Birth School for me was like, 
wow, this like these are all my thoughts in my head, like here. Yeah. So it it just felt right from that moment. I knew I had to be involved in it, and mm-hmm. so I joined as um as an instructor, and uh, which Susie, you know kind of fell into um having instructors because originally it was just supposed to be an online program but then more and more instructors were saying like you know we want to we want to teach this method Mm -hmm. um and so that's what I did and it wasn't sort of long after I joined that Susie asked me if I would be um the manager for the calm birth school so that I would kind of um manage all the instructors that were there and um kind of you know in terms of encouragement and support and direction and that was something that I absolutely wanted to do mm-hmm. and it kind of evolved from there I started to you know take more responsibility on in terms of the calm birth school and then Susie and I were talking about perhaps forming a, a partnership and then one day she said I've decided that, you know, I want to sell it and I I want, I want it to be yours. And I was like, okay. So that's kind of how it happened and how it evolved. And it's very natural progression. It felt really natural. So that's why it it hasn't, I can imagine if someone was, you know, who wasn't already involved in uh, a business like this, bought it, it would feel, yeah, it would probably be feel challenging to kind of feel like it was really your own or that Mm -hmm. you were fully invested in it. But yeah it just doesn't feel like that Mm -hmm. to me it feels like something I've always meant to be part of and and what is hypnobirthing um because the reason in the beginning that I said I I don't think I would have been open to it then the little that I knew it sounded like it was for people that go to Stonehenge at the summer solstice and 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 you know and do sun salutations and stuff which actually I would which probably great, do now to be yeah. quite honest but at that time it just felt really flowery and so I judged it and I dismissed yeah. it what is hypnobirthing so I guess there's many ways that we could describe hypnobirthing but hypnobirthing for me is it's essentially a full antenatal program where you learn pretty much everything that you need to know in order to to give birth. But we're working on something much deeper underneath all of the, the practicalities and the, and the theory. Mm-hmm. And what we're working on is changing how you feel about birth from a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. So all throughout our lives, you know, we pick up different um ideas and different messages and um that can be from television media things people tell us our own experiences you know so many different things and that formulates our our values and our belief system Mm -hmm. um and the thing is that most of the images or information or programs that we watch about birth are, are pretty pretty negative you know yeah. pretty much everything we come into contact with about birth is is negative unless you you know you go looking for the positive stuff yeah. um and that unfortunately forms how we feel about birth so with hypnobirthing what we're trying to do is marry the mind and the body together so that they can work in harmony when it actually comes to giving birth so it's about changing those deep-rooted core values and beliefs about birth and changing Mm -hmm. it for something much more positive so that when the time comes for a woman to go into labor her you know essentially her her mind her brain is going to react positively to the situation so that then her body can respond positively as well and she can have as calm and as comfortable and as as positive birth experience that she can Mm -hmm. um so that that's that's essentially what it is and what we're kind of aiming for mm-hmm. and I, I can understand why in the past people have considered it to be flowery and I, and actually I had my first daughter in 2000 and my first daughter she's my only daughter um, <laughs> in uh, in 2007 so uh, obviously we oh, wow we were, yeah so we were like pregnant at the same yeah. time um and uh, the reason why I sought out hypnobirthing was because 
I was like off the scale terrified of giving birth. Um, oh my gosh, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is fright it is a, a frightening prospect, I yeah. guess, you know, when when all you've ever heard is that birth is this awful, painful, horrible experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you're faced with oh my god, oh my god, I've got I've got, I've to, got do to do it. it I've got to do it. There's no yeah. going back. I remember yeah. like I was I was um definitely in my eighth month and um I invited my friends for me to go out as for a meal because I was like, this is the probably the last time I'm gonna be able to do this before having a baby and I was like oh my goodness I'm going I'm going to be responsible for a human being but I was more concerned about labor yeah yeah and then that can for some women the 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 fear about giving birth and you know about going into labor is is so intense that it it can really spoil the their pregnancy and in terms of you know the enjoyment of Mm -hmm. the pregnancy and I think it's just I think that's such a shame because it's just so miraculous that we grow like we grow people that I I will never be able Mm -hmm. to kind of get beyond that Mm -hmm. we grow human beings Mm -hmm. in our bodies Mm -hmm. and we're superheroes essentially in that way and every woman should feel that way during her pregnancy and when she's giving birth as well yeah so it feels so sad that that some women you know won't feel that way or or don't feel that way Um, and I was certainly I was certainly one of those women so it felt kind of I always knew I was going to be really scared of giving birth and in my head I was like oh yeah it it just makes sense I'm going to have a horrendous birth experience and the reason why I felt that way was because I was always an anxious person so I always had anxiety as a as a child as a teenager um you know early sort of adulthood um and I kind of I I used um coping techniques to kind of mask it but I didn't really know how to deal with it Mm -hmm. in what's I just sort of accepted it as like oh this is me I'm just constantly in a state of anxiety um constantly feeling this way so when I was pregnant um feeling that way it it, yeah I suddenly thought to myself you know this just it can't go on I can't continue to feel this way but that wasn't actually until I was about 32 weeks pregnant (laughs) Uh, I know I've really had buried my head in the sand for the majority of my pregnancy yeah and I came across hypnobirthing purely by chance. I was just doing a bit of Googling about, you know, um, about birth and about how to how to navigate birth because my my issues were I didn't want to experience all this horrendously excruciating pain that so many people had told me was inevitable. And I didn't want to have any drugs, not because mm-hmm. I'm like drug averse or mm-hmm. that you can't have drugs when you do when you know you do hypnobirthing or when you give birth but because to me I, I didn't know how I was going to respond or how I was going to feel um you know I, I can barely take a, a paracetamol because I I'm just not the that type of, mm-hmm. of person I don't mm-hmm. like the idea of um putting something into my body yeah. so I was really I was definitely in a bit of a no man's land not mm-hmm. knowing or understanding what my options were and then all of a sudden I found hypnobirthing in a random search and 11 years ago there really wasn't that many of us um, around so I did have to travel a distance uh, with my husband to do the the classes Mm -hmm. Um, the hypnobirthing instructor was amazing and Oh, it just changed everything for me. It changed how I felt about the rest of my pregnancy, how I felt about my labor, how I felt about myself. It it introduced me to the mind-body connection, which honestly, I didn't really understand or know. We were never, ever really taught about it. Unless oh. you had, um, at school, there was a friend of mine and her parents were hippies. Yeah. that's what we called them yeah um and they were very much into all of that they were doing yoga before we knew what yoga was um but yeah. generally it's that very much suck it up and get on with it kind of thing mm-hmm. like you're not the first I actually remember a friend being in labor my cousin being in labor she was a young mum mm-hmm. and the midwife's telling her not to make such a fuss she's not the first she won't be the last 
Oh my God. I know. But let's move on to mindset because you talked about how um, hypnobirthing um, Mm -hmm. changed your, well, the last eight weeks of your pregnancy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) your birth experience and your life. Yes. Um, Let's move to now you owning the Calm Birth School. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you may not have had to do anything, but... And, and I'm asking you quite a Susie kind of question. Oh, <laughs> who did you need I'm to, to be? <laughs> who yeah. did you need to be to take on a thriving business and mm-hmm. sort of hit the ground running? Well, I just needed to be the best version of myself, really, yeah. and. Um, and that's, that's, you know, that's what I'm striving to be all the time. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's, there's more of me yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's going to emerge as well. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm quite patient with myself. I can feel, um, I can feel that, well, I, I, well, maybe we're all going through it all the time, but like, I definitely am aware of, um, you know, of myself transforming mm-hmm. and changing. And that's been happening over, you know, the, definitely the last few years mm-hmm. and that transformation like continues mm-hmm. and I'm, I just allow it to, to happen and evolve at its, at its own pace, really. Um, I do, I do do several kind of mindset practices and, um, things like that to ensure that I am in the best sort of possible place in order to, to serve. Yeah. And that's, you know, because that's essentially what, what I love doing yeah. is supporting people and building communities. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, I guess you do have to be in, um, your, like the best possible mm-hmm. state of mind mm-hmm. in order to do that. What sort of, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> What sort of work do you do to sustain? Like, I know when we're talking about being our best selves, best on Tuesday isn't the same as best on Wednesday. But yeah. how, what what sort of things do you do to allow yourself, <clears throat> sorry guys, I've got a cold, um, to have that level of patience? The reason I ask is because I'm not very patient with myself. So when I think, when um, Susie introduced that concept of who do you need to be to show up as you would like to, for example, mm-hmm. I, I literally do need to channel somebody else. And then as I'm getting into that, that person falls away and it's just me. Mm-hmm. So how, what do you do to allow yourself the, I want to say privilege, it's not a privilege, it's our right, but how do you, what do you do to allow yourself room for patience? Well, I think what I, the feeling I dislike is the feeling of being stuck. You know, that feeling where you're Mm -hmm. kind of, you don't know which way to turn or which way to go and everything that you do doesn't seem to be getting you to where you want to go. And like, you just keep trying, keep trying, but you're stuck. And for me, I think that's when um, I get stuck when I don't, when I don't give myself room to breathe, when mm-hmm. I don't uh, allow myself the patience. So yeah. I, always re- I always remind myself that, you know, it's okay to be where I am right now. Um, and, and that kind of allows me to, to give myself room to be patient. And mm-hmm. I also... I also do, I've started doing it more, much more, more recently, but I also do um, some, you know, forgiveness work, which mm-hmm. I think is really, really helpful. So I forgive myself and I forgive others and I find that quite uplifting and it helps me to move through anything. And I know that sounds really hippie, doesn't it? Like, no, it doesn't. Let's it all forgive musical. each other. <laughs> and the other day I was in a bit of a diatribe. I've been ill, so I haven't been very active. And I immediately defaulted to, you're not doing enough, you're not working hard enough, you're not, you're not, you're not. Um, And it it got so much of a loop in my head that I had to pump the brakes and forgive myself for Mm -hmm. judging myself for being ill. um, uh, Recovery is not laziness. It's vital. 
If you're not well, you need time to recover. So I really had to forgive myself for judging myself because I wasn't doing stuff because I'm ill. Um, So no, that forgiveness piece for me, Mm -hmm. it's been revolutionary and I never considered it. I went to a panel discussion and there was a, there were, it was an all female panel discussion at the houses of parliament organized Mm -hmm. by inspirational you and there were two particular women that I was really drawn to the other women on the panel were quite young the other these two women were definitely at least in their 50s um and you know they've got adult children they are proper executive high flyers they're not messing about and um, they were talking about sometimes missing stuff with their children or um sometimes being having to renegotiate um deadlines at work Mm. um and I asked them how they navigate that and this lady said quite simply you have to forgive yourself oh wow yeah literally that sentence I was like wow um so yeah no that forgiveness piece for me Mm -hmm. oh yeah and it's literally sometimes having to say it out loud so I can hear it I do as well yeah (laughs) And yeah. it does, it really, it really, really helps. It, yeah. I mean, actually, I I did some forgiveness work this morning um, because the last couple of weeks, I, I mean, so I'm a mom to three and, you know, I run a business which is, is quite substantial yeah. and I do that on part-time hours because I've got a four-year-old who's in nursery, he's not in full-time school yet. Mm-hmm. So um, the last couple of weeks, uh, we've had half term. So I've had my three children um, around. Such an imposition half term. I know. I mean, what, what are the teachers thinking? Exactly. Um, and then, and uh, even though I I had planned in for half term to get everything as up to date as I could, but then the week before half term, my four year old was ill and he was off school, off nursery rather, mm-hmm. um, the whole week. And he needed me, like yeah. he really needed me. I yeah. couldn't leave him or put him down for a second. And I just had to go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get what I wanted to get done this week. So let's just reevaluate. And, and yes, sometimes that does, you know, the frustration kind of bubbles up and it builds up and then you end up in overwhelm. But if I allow that to carry on, then I'm just so unproductive. It's it's unreal. So that's where for me, you know, the forgiveness work really comes in and I just sit down and I write down everything that's kind of, you know, been in in my head and what I'm feeling guilty about Mm -hmm. and what I'm what I think I should do more of or less of and and then again I read through the statements and I really feel the feeling and then I let it go and I forgive myself and Mm -hmm. it really does it really does help yeah Um, and I think, you know, I really got into forgiveness work when I read Denise Duffield Thomas's book, The Get Rich. Oh, Lucky yeah. Lucky B. <laughs> I, do, I do love that book. Me too. Um, yeah. So I found that that that's, yeah, that's really helped me and it helps it's me to so remain. so unproductive if you, don't, if you don't do that. Yeah. And, and it is a practice. And that's the thing that I have to keep reminding myself. It's not a case of you do it twice and that's it. It's all over. It really is a practice. And that thing yeah. that you said about allowing yourself to feel those feelings, mm-hmm. there are things that I've been able to move on from because I allowed myself to sit in that feeling instead mm-hmm. of running away from it. And that has been the key to forgiveness because I'm always very interested in the how when people say, Oh, you've got to forgive yourself. So when the lady said that, that was mm. the first, that was the seed planted. Then it was yeah. the how, cause there's lots of blanket statements thrown around and the how is, it is a practice. It is a case of feeling those feelings. Mm-hmm. It is a case of writing about those feelings so that you can see them on paper, not just having them going round and round in your head. And yeah, then you're able to move on to the forgiveness piece. But it does, you're not going to do it on Tuesday and by Friday be a pro. It is yeah. an ongoing, because just as you think you've mastered it, mm-hmm. the ego is so clever. It then just shapeshifts and becomes something else and it finds something else to beat yourself up about. So that practice has to be up leveled so Mm -hmm. that you can catch it before you're back on that spiral of, oh, I haven't. And then I didn't do that. And there's that thing I did in 1989. (laughs) (laughs) 
I my, I can't even remember nineteen eighty nine. But no, I, I Smash I, Hits I, magazine I, comes to uh, mind. Ah, oh, then were the days. <laughs> yeah. Then were the days. I definitely, I definitely agree with you, and I think that uh, as well, we can <clears throat> we can lose our mindset practices because we might think we might do something like so say you do the forgiveness work and you think oh yeah okay I feel better now I feel yeah. I feel good yeah. and then you just carry on um your sort of like everyday life and then we we do everywhere we go we just sort of you know we we take on more things we take on more guilt and more pressures and more um you know ideas about ourselves which mm-hmm. might not be that positive and unless you are sort of continuously doing the work yeah then and you're not shifting you're not shifting through that exactly. but what I think is really important is that we don't beat ourselves up about it if we do stop doing the work because I'm definitely one of those people who have gone like right um you know let's get up at five o'clock in the morning and go for a walk and do my journaling and do my affirmations and do my exercise and I'll do that for a few weeks and then I'm like oh no I can't do that anymore yeah and um and then I feel guilty that oh why can't I do that so-and-so does that yeah. why can't I do that yeah. and I think it's really about finding what works for you like stop 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 looking at other people and thinking that they're doing it right or they're getting it right. You've got to find the right way for you. And I I really think I'm starting to get to that point now where I'm finding what's, what feels right to me in terms of mindset practices and what feels good and helpful. Yes. Yes. But I'm open to that changing as well. I'm open to that changing as well. So absolutely. Um, I've, um, I record podcasts via Skype and I've turned my camera off because um, it kept saying poor connections. So Liz, you can't see me, but I am literally nodding (laughs) emphatically to what you're saying because I think the most liberating part of my journey came very, very recently when I had a word with myself because I realised that a lot of the things that I was lambasting myself for lambasting, lambasting, whatever the word is, was because I'm not minding my own business. I am looking at other people. I can't measure myself by that person because I don't know what that person's life is. I don't know what their story is. I don't know what's going on for them. You're Mm -hmm. talking about getting up at five o'clock in the morning, going for a walk. That is not me. I have to be honest about who I am. But one of the most crucial parts of the... um, mindset and self-care practice for me has been when I catch myself oh you haven't done this you haven't journaled today you haven't done any exercise or whatever the case may be is to literally pump the brakes and say okay do it now yeah do it now when it gets really really bad I have to my my proper go-to disrupt the shit out of all of this stuff is you haven't killed anyone like I have to get that deep. No one's died. Yeah. You haven't killed anyone. So let's go. And it just puts it into perspective. I'm there getting myself into a tears because I haven't done yoga and I haven't journaled this week. Come on, girl. Yeah, I know. The way, <laughs> the way that you say it, I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness. Yeah, we, we, there really are more things that there are, you know, there are other things to beat ourselves up about in the in the world and exactly. and that's what it's about it's about letting go of of all of that need to really kind of be down on ourselves yeah. um yeah. and yeah I'm definitely one thing that really really helps me as well is EFT emotional mm-hmm. freedom Oh, I love that. I mean, if you, if anyone who's listening who doesn't know about EFT, you they need to they need to get oh, it in their lives. The because first time I did it, I was like, "What the what is this?" Yeah. And then as I continued, Liz, I have had some really profound experiences with tapping. The biggest one was about judgment. So there's the judging myself. There's the judging other people. And once I recognized that judging other people was um, a reflection of me judging myself, I was like, aha, now I see what I'm doing. And I listened to um, a guided meditation by Marianne Williamson. um, And it wasn't particularly about judgment but it was talking about letting go of things that no longer serve you and Mm. judgment came to mind and 
um, for whatever reason, I thought about a particular, like I thought about particular people that mm-hmm. I judge and what my judging them means to me. Yeah. Um, and I had this experience with the tapping where I just had this real bright white light come down through my head, through my body and sit in my pelvis. It felt like period cramps. Wow. And for a long time after that, every time I went into judgment zone, I had a period style cramp because it was almost as if I needed a physical reminder that Mm -hmm. I am now aware of this. So I've got to do something about it. I don't get the cramps so much anymore because Mm -hmm. it's lodged in my mind enough, but tapping, woo. And it also helped me to it helped me to be more compassionate with myself. So mm-hmm. there would be the whole thing where, okay, I've observed this behavior that doesn't make me feel very comfortable and I don't really like it. So then mm-hmm. I'd judge myself for judging myself. Then I'd be more judgmental about that. And then it would spiral. Yeah. That tapping has enabled me. I've, I've talked about it quite a lot, maybe in new- newsletters or something about observing with compassionate curiosity Mm-hmm. tapping enabled me to do that so although I still judge myself for judging myself I could I disrupt it quite quickly because yeah. the next it is judge myself then it's oh my goodness judging myself for judging myself and then now the natural progression is okay let's observe this with compassionate curiosity what is this about what is this telling me so I can yeah. go into what this is telling me rather than get stuck in the judgment and that is from tapping It's so powerful. And I think that it's really interesting listening to you talk about it is different. Your experience is different to mine. And I think that that is why it is so powerful. It's almost like it helps you where you need it to help you. Um, So I first found EFT or came across it when I had postnatal depression, Mm -hmm. um, which was a really, really dark and difficult time for me and I hope I'm not going to talk about it too much because I don't want to trigger anybody who mm-hmm. is is potentially listening um and I went to see um uh, well after being on like the NHS waiting list for ages to you know to get some uh, kind of support mm-hmm. I kind of was got a bit fed up so I went private and I went to see um a lady who was a she was a hypnotherapist a psychotherapist and um oh so many different Mm -hmm. strings to her bow and she introduced me to it and we started tapping on my feelings that uh my emotions that I was experiencing in in that sort of very um difficult period Mm -hmm. and it it just it just felt like it helped so much that since then I've used it for literally everything Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. know if I'm feeling blocked in any way whether that's you know like money in terms of like you know why 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 can't I you know go to the next level earn the next level of money what's my feelings around that and EFT helps me kind of move through that also self-confidence um self-belief um any kind of any worries or anxieties that I have and I feel that I'm stuck on I just go straight to tapping I'm like right I need to tap that out I've even um you know I've introduced my children to tapping as well and um yeah well that sounds so beautiful yeah some of the I was gonna say like my daughter is not that open to it um she just looks at me sometimes like oh mom not something else come on (laughs) like like, whenever she's feeling anxious I'm like oh come on we just need to yeah you know we just need to breathe she was like don't tell me to breathe I've had enough of breathing. I'm doing it all the time. Breathing is so important, you know, and doing it properly is really important. Oh, yeah, that is a real quick calming, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, it's been powerful for me. Absolutely. Um, I I highly recommend, and I think if you have a go when you think this is weird, just (laughs) lean into the weirdness and keep going. Yeah. Um, so did you experience anti, um, oh gosh, sorry. Did you experience postnatal depression with all three of your children or just one? 
No, it was just um, with one. So, like I said before, because I've, I've, um, I, I was naturally uh, anxious person. Yeah. Um, after I had my daughter, so that was my first child. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was anxious, mm-hmm. um, but it, and I can't say it really passed because. Um, I think you're you're always to a degree kind of anxious or worried about your children in some way. But definitely the intensity of the anxiety after she was born did did subside and didn't turn into anything else. Um, When I had my second child, uh, I that was when I um, sort of started, I guess it was like a spiral down towards depression. Mm -hmm. And I really clearly remember, um, well, well, first of all, put put a bit of context into it. I wasn't sort of diagnosed until my son was two. What? I know, I know. So I was very much like, why, why are you telling me I've got postnatal depression when my, when my child is two? Um, but you know, the, they were, at one point, the the GP who said that to me, she was very adamant that that this was postnatal depression. After you know, for things that I had, I had told her and explained about how how I how I felt, mm-hmm. which really was you know very sort of deep rooted anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remember going to some. They sent me to some group counselling. It was like yeah it's sort of group counseling where they talk about how to deal with anxiety which wasn't helpful for me because my um symptoms had gone beyond that at that point and um I remember talking to one of the people who was leading it at the end and saying to her like I've been told that I've got postnatal depression like you know is that is that right? Is that what you think I've got? Yeah. Can you tell, like, someone, can someone tell me what yeah. I've got? I kind of desperately wanted to be labeled <laughs> as having postnatal depression because even though, you know, at the time, so this is, um, what is this, nearly eight years ago now mm-hmm. that this happened. Um, so at the time, we weren't, people weren't as open about mm-hmm. postnatal depression as they are now. I mean, I, I hope, I do feel like there's definitely more openness about I it now. I do. Yeah, but people weren't then. So I felt a bit like ashamed yeah. of admitting that I had it, but I felt even more ashamed of potentially admitting that I might have just depression yes. without the postnatal bit in front of it because at least it had a stigma. Yeah, it really did. But yeah. to me it felt like, well, if it's postnatal depression, then like it'll go at yeah, some it's contained. point. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas depression, that what you know, what's what do I do with that? Yeah. Um, and this, the the lady who had been leading the group had said to me, she said, "Look, postnatal depression, depression, it's all the same thing. Like you have depression." And I remember that felt crushing to like be like, "Oh my God, what do I, what do I do now?" And yeah. it felt, yeah, it felt really hard. It mm-hmm. felt really hard. Um. But I got through it with a lot of support and love from mm-hmm. my family. And I got through it by using tools like EFT and by um, Reiki, which is another totally weird thing, which people should do if yeah. they haven't, because it's amazing. Yeah. Um, Reiki to me just felt like I used to go every week. And it, when I was sort of in the throes of experience this depression mm-hmm. or postnatal depression, whatever it was. And um, it f- just felt like a lightness. It felt like, oh, just felt like everything slowed down for mm-hmm. that time that I was, um, yeah, experiencing Reiki. And yeah. it just felt like a, a breath of fresh air, which was, which was great. So I did, I did those things. And of course, by that point, I was very familiar with hypnobirthing, although I hadn't, um, trained in it at that oh no I just trained in it at that point Mm -hmm. so I had more idea about the um mind body connection Mm -hmm. and how I could help myself and how I could um get myself back to back to feeling like me and to be honest I never I never got back to feeling like me I got to I got back to feeling like a better version of me and I think that that finger snaps that is powerful, yes. you know, and I think for anyone who is maybe suffering from depression or postnatal depression right now, that like you can get through it and actually it can be part of your journey that you look back on and you go, well, I'm the me I am now 
because I went through that and you know I I really I really quite like me yeah. now I'm a bit of a doofus sometimes but I do hey. I do like myself most <laughs> of the time so that is um yeah I look back at that and I think that I, I'm where I am I'm who I am because of that experience or in part of because of that experience and for me that is so crucial um Another thing I've been talking about recently is appreciating life seasons and you talking about um, not going back to what was being a new version of you. I think that's really important because I think sometimes we get so hung up in going back to what we were when Mm -hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. And we don't need to go back. We need to not need but I just think if you get if you get really caught up in how you were before you're not going to allow yourself to experience what is now and I think that happens a lot in conversations about motherhood where you people say where you hear people saying things like oh I snap back in however long or uh, motherhood's not going to change me I'm still going to do all the things that I was doing Mm -hmm. but actually whether you accept it or not motherhood does change you and life changes you let let you know not everybody that listens to this podcast is a mother or has any inclination to do so mm-hmm. I guess the overriding message is that we go we experience things all day every day mm-hmm. and those experiences change us so sometimes it would be I think we would have a lot more freedom if we allow ourselves to evolve as we experience life rather than mm-hmm. clinging on to well, I wasn't like that before. Before's gone. I, yeah, I, oh, I'm so, I'm so into that. I think that now I view every experience as like just part of my development mm-hmm. for me becoming the best version of me. Yeah. You know, so, so like that period of of depression that was that. I mean, there was so many reasons and things connected to it mm-hmm. um but the fact I went through it helped you know it transformed me yeah. in a way and each time I've had a child I've given birth that has transformed me in a way and each time I've felt afraid and I've carried on pursuing my dream or whatever it you know Mm -hmm. whatever it was Mm -hmm. I've transformed again in another way even if that's like subtle or small or big changes it all goes towards me becoming the best exactly exactly I think that's really important and I am very aware that there are people with enduring depression and stuckness and unable to move on we're not dismissing those things but what we're talking about Uh is a period of time that you were able to navigate through um Mm -hmm. with tools that really worked for you and they're not going to work for everybody but they worked for you Um, I would definitely advise people to just keep trying things you know to keep trying to um feel feel your way through it and yeah the the hopefully there's something out there for for everybody to 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 give them some help or relief or Mm -hmm. or support through that Mm -hmm. and I'm not I'm not even closed off to the fact that you know I mean I'm 40 next year ah um, welcome welcome (laughs) not even welcome yet you've got another year to go (laughs) I'll welcome you next year (laughs) um so I'm not sort of ruling out that there could be another time in my life where um, where I might experience um depression and you know that hopefully you've got some tools that will help you to mitigate yeah yeah Yeah. and we've got to we've got to recognize that a large number of people are going to experience depression or anxiety and the more we talk about it and the more that we say you know oh this is what helped me and look how I now feel about that experience the less scary it sort of becomes for people so I think it's um yeah, it's important to talk about. Absolutely, because that kind of normalises it and brings it into part of the human experience rather than everybody walking around thinking that you're going to be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time because that's not real. Yeah, definitely. So as we wrap up, um, 
I'd like to know, you mentioned um, EFT and yes. um, Denise Duffield-Thomas Duffield and I... really, really just loved talking about forgiveness. Um, are there any other books, resources, podcasts, whatever, um, that you would recommend for maintaining that mind-body connection? Um well, I I love reading. Like I read so much. Um I'm I'm currently reading another of Denise Duffield Thomas's book, which is the Chillpreneur. Chillpreneur. Yeah, that's next you're... on my list. Yeah. yeah so I I'm, yeah. I'm I'm reading that and it's and it's great. Um I remember reading a book which is not necessarily mindset, but it definitely um opened my mind to um to my sort of creative side which at one stage I didn't believe I was creative at all Mm -hmm. and it was a book by Elizabeth Gilbert I can't for the life of me remember what the name of it is but it was very very it was very good I'll try to think of what it is yes big magic how can I forget that (laughs) um yeah and that was um I, I so enjoyed reading that book podcasts I really love um your podcast obviously and I like listening to again it's not really mindset but I like listening to control alt delete I don't know if you yeah Um, what's her name Um, Emma Gannon yeah Yeah. it's um I really do enjoy that um anything that features Oprah is okay by me yes (laughs) I love that woman um and I read a lot of birth type books as well. So, um, yeah, a book that I read recently, which I really felt embodied how I feel about birth, is a book called um, The Birth Path or a-, a Birth Path. And it was just so beautifully yeah. written. Um, and, I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. And that kind of... Um, I, I find it very inspiring, but also I felt very connected to it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> mindset wise, I mean, obviously, you know, we love Susie Ashworth and follow her, obviously. Yeah. Um, We're going to her retreat. We're oh going to God, her retreat. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That's gonna be Listen, scary. this Brexit business better not mess around <laughs> our travel. <laughs> no, it better. Hey, I, thought we I don't want to buy a visa, Theresa May. <laughs> Oh no, I know. I yeah. Yeah. Well what can you what can I know. you do? If we have to, we have to. But I am very excited to um be going um to that. Um and 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 I'm very excited that I'm gonna be speaking at Limitless Live. <gasps> wow. I literally screamed when um Susie asked me. Um so that's really exciting. But sorry, back, back, back to Liz, back to Liz. <laughs> Um, so Susie Ashworth for mindset stuff all day every day for sure yeah um and yeah I think I can't think of any more books now I did write down those the those ones with Denise Duffield Thomas because I do feel that they've have had quite an impact Mm -hmm. um on me um and something else that's had an impact on me recently which I can't believe this, this is even coming out of my mouth because I am not this type of person is exercise so I've definitely never yep. I've done yoga, yoga and stuff like that but never exercise where you're you're you know getting very sort of physical yep. and I've just recently signed up to do a um a six-week program oh wow involves exercise but it's all it's it's motivational and mindset as well to kind of you know help you to to continue through the process yeah so I'm really looking forward to that because I've been doing more exercise recently and I can't believe how it really is giving me a lot of clarity and is very sort of you know therapeutic uplifting and therapeutic yeah Yeah. so I'm really I feel like I've discovered something new there with exercise yeah Yeah. Um, even though this is something we all know but yeah so that's um that's definitely something that's been powerful and and helpful for me well and do you have anything coming up that people should know about well, um, yes, we are obviously are the, the Calm Birth School online hypnobirthing program is always available for purchase at, from the Calm Birth School website. Mm-hmm. You, you can sign up and get the first 
three videos for free. So you mm-hmm. sort of get like a bit of a taster. Um, and then if you like it, you can go on to purchase the full course. You get supported in a Facebook group by me mm-hmm. if you um, if you do buy that course. And I'm also uh, training um, people to become hypnobirthing instructors. So I've been doing that now for about 12 months. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm in the middle of training 11 rather amazing women to become hypnobirthing instructors and um, so far the process has been online but we're meeting for like a a weekend workshop where that'll be there'll be a lot of teaching from me going on there Um, so the next round of instructor training begins in July so yeah I'm kind of welcoming people to apply for that now. Well um, send me links and I'll add them to the show notes Thank Um, you. and in between that where can people find you? So you can head over to Instagram. Um, the Calm Birth School is is me, mm-hmm. and you can see me on Facebook, which is um, the Calm Birth School again as well. Or if you're pregnant and you want some positivity, and you want to connect with like-minded women, then join the Calm Birth School Community Facebook group. And um, again, in there we have we share like birth stories, and it's a it's a it's a place where you can ask questions and get supported as well brilliant brilliant well Liz thank you very much for your time I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I guess I will see you over on Instagram at some point yay definitely and see you in Barcelona Barcelona (laughs) yay (laughs) no me either that's brilliant okay then my darling you take care thank you Bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.